Hello, welcome to A Safe Place, a podcast where we discuss school gun violence and how to keep kids safe in schools. I am your host, Louis Aponte, the author of the upcoming books, A Safe Place, Imagining Schools Without Gun Violence, and The Ultimate U.S. School Shooting Reference Guide. Thank you for joining me. I'm honored to have you here with me today. Uh, today is episode number seven, and I am very pleased to have with me a special guest, children's author and former reserve law enforcement officer, Claire Marie. Now, Claire has a very impressive background. Uh, her work spans across school emergency preparedness and management, school safety and prevention systems, nonprofits, the private sector, and law enforcement mental health. Wow. Uh, Claire also has a Bachelor's of Science in Public Health from Oregon State University, and she was she has received the Culture of Writing Award in Public Health and graduated magna cum laude in 2012. Welcome, Claire. So thrilled to have you, uh, have you as my guest today. Thank you so much for having me and for the kind words. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So um, I understand you wrote a very um, unique children's book, and uh, I was wondering if I can ask you a few questions as to how it came about, um, beginning with, uh, could you explain the difference between, um, well, this one in particular is about lockdown drills. And so can you tell me the difference between lockdown drills and active shooter drills? Because that's something I don't know about. Oh, yeah, and such a good question. Um, so lockdown drills is allows us to practice a function, a key function that we all need to be able to do within school systems mm -hmm. in order to help mitigate potential threat and restore safety when there may be something going on in the school. And so lockdown is lock slides out of sight. Uh, and it's it's we use it when there's something either directly on school grounds mm -hmm. or something going on within the building. And when someone perceives, we use the term not normal, but what you want to think about is situational awareness. Uh, school staff know what day-to-day -day looks like, right? They know who's normally on campus. They know the, the vehicles parked nearby. They know whether or not people should be walking on the playground or not. And when they see something that goes from average everyday stuff to not average everyday stuff, then lockdown is just one of those functions that they can use in order to manage the classroom and keep, keep kids safe and keep themselves safe while helpers come and figure out what might be going on. Okay. Uh, an active shooter drill is a specific scenario-based, threat-based practice. So we could use the function of lockdown, not just because there might be an active shooter on campus. I mean, that is the worst case scenario, right? Right. right. I've had schools use active, I've had schools use a lockdown because a teacher saw someone hop the fence and they were like, hmm, that's weird and concerning. So right. they school into lockdown, which was appropriate helpers, law enforcement, went and made contact with that person. It was a local construction worker who needed to use a porta potty. Right. <laughs> and so yeah, I kid you not. Wow. So it's where it's where that wasn't that wasn't every average, you know, average everyday stuff. And they were like, oh my gosh, we we gotta make sure we manage the situation. They did it appropriately and everything was fine. Okay. Uh and so active shooter is specific to there is an active threat on campus, specifically someone with a gun. And so it's super important that we allow law enforcement to practice active shooter drills on campus when students are not present and it's clearly communicated to the community that it's a drill occurring. Right. And staff should be invited to participate, but not required okay. to participate okay. in active shooter drills. So does that, hopefully that helps answer your question. Yes. No, it's one's very specific. Another one's just like a, you know, a precaution in, in general. Now, when it has, when it is a situation where they notice something unusual, it's not necessarily a, a sh shooting kind of drill and they hop the fence and they just need to use a porta potty. Um, is there any negative impact on the teachers? Like, hey, you know, what, what were you thinking? It was just a, a construction guy. I mean, well, I, I figure it's better safe than sorry. Right. Yeah, exactly. There shouldn't be, um, I, 
I haven't encountered a school where there would be a negative impact on a teacher. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but most schools, what they want is staff to, to do whatever is necessary um, appropriately to keep students and themselves safe. And so, in fact, one of the things when we go into schools and we talk with teachers, we ask them, do you know how you would call a lockdown drill from your classroom or from the from the recess grounds, mm -hmm. um, because we got to know, do they know how to do that process? And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Right, right, right. Well, um, that, that brings me to my next question as to, you know, why is it important for students and staff to practice lockdown drills, especially when you have so many uh, substitute teachers, you know, for example. So why, why is that important? Everyone should practice lockdown drills, should know this, should be trained in the steps. We call it coaching when we're with the kids um, and should be trained in the steps on how to do that uh, because we want to build that muscle memory. Right. We know that when we when our brains encounter perceived threat or experience stress, a stress activation, that it's not functioning in the same way as when we're in a calm environment or at our kind of normal homeostasis level. Right. Right. So you want to so build that, that automatic. Mm -hmm. okay. And it's also super important that the kids know one of the biggest things I encounter is the kids, they, they want to help and they don't want to feel helpless. Right. And so teaching them steps they can take to keep themselves safe actually a lot of times helps alleviate some anxiety that they might have. And that makes perfect sense. You know, keep practicing so it becomes muscle memory and then do it while they're relaxed. So that way they're not surprised and they're in panic mode and they don't know what to do. Um, so in, when we talk about lockdown drills and, and getting them prepared, um, in your experience, would you say that lockdown drills and especially active shooter drills have like an emotional or psychological impact on students? And if so, what? Yeah, well, um, I mean, you should... You should never do active shooter drills with students. There's no benefit. Students should not be exposed at any age to an active shooter drill. Really? Um, because, oh yeah, no, no. Because that implies, right? We don't gain anything. They don't gain anything by being exposed to this potential threat, even if it's a fake scenario, even if they're told, right? right. Um, what we want them to be good at is lockdown. We don't need to expose them to a pretend active shooter help them be good at lockdown, right? Okay. It's okay. three simple steps. So again, law enforcement should absolutely be allowed and invited to do active shooter drills on school campuses, but not when students are present and they should not require staff to participate, but they can allow and invite staff to participate. I'm so glad you mentioned that because uh, I my my best friend I remember his his daughter in high school she was um, she was invited to be an actor um, to in in those kinds of uh, active shooter situations where she was covered in blood and stuff and I'm I'm thinking to myself is that is that a good idea <laughs> you know like what are we teaching them and, and like how is that impacting them psychologically so. Yeah so um, if we if we teach lockdown drills um, in an appropriate trauma-informed way. Well, if we teach any emergency function, right? So lockdown is a function, um, shelter in place is a function where I live in Oregon, the most common one, at least away from the coast is gonna be drop, cover and hold uh, in, in event of an earthquake. Ah, um, yeah, so, so we wanna teach any of these key emergency response protocols in trauma-informed ways. Um, if we don't, then we do run the risk of not, achieving our goal in a way that doesn't stress activate the kids, right? We don't have to stress activate people to help them be good at three simple steps. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to assume you remember that if you ever catch on fire, you stop, drop and roll, right? right. And you're right. not around, I don't know, age three, four or five. Yes. Um, and however old, right? We're adults now still remember if I ever catch on fire, drop, cover and fold. And in fact, I thought that was a lot more common when they taught me that when I was little, like, mm -hmm. 
was mm-hmm. going to use this. I've never used it, thankfully. Right, right. Thank um, you. We don't, we don't catch people on fire to teach them drop, cover, and hold, right? right. And I still <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good I point. I still remember how to do it, you yes. know? And also, the actual concept of being on fire is horrifying. Yeah. We teach kids that the key steps without terrifying them. So I'm always just going to go back to like, we don't have to terrify people to teach them how to keep themselves safe. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. So, so tell me about these books, uh, Sammy and friends, you know, how were they created? How did they come about? Yeah. So honestly, it, it just kind of wrote itself out of a need to, to have a better tool to interact with kids because I was going into schools. Um, and Kids, not all kids, but some kids would become stress activated when they did specifically lockdown drills. Lots of kids enjoy drop, cover, and hold earthquake because you get to hide under your desk and grab on. And I don't know, it's kind of fun for them. Some are afraid, especially if they've experienced an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I, for my work, I had to go in and support schools and doing lockdown drills. And, you know, kids would cry. And that mm-hmm. kind of broke my heart a little bit. Um, and so I wanted a tool where, I felt that I could better interact with kids mm-hmm. uh, and teach them how to do lockdown drills and not scare them. And my work for so long has been in how do we do trauma-informed practices in different systems that I just started writing the story. Kids, uh, you know, when you can externalize what the kids are facing, uh, make it not about them. First off, it makes it a little bit safer to engage with, right? Like I can think about this fun character. Right. Right. this magical world mm-hmm. uh, and it walks them through this world and it helps it helps introduce them and realize this concept that they just like Sammy practice being safe every day all day long in lots of different ways and sometimes we have to practice new ways to be safe and so we're able to introduce this concept of lockdown as just one of those other things that you practice doing every day to keep yourself safe right as opposed to this like really big, scary thing. Right. Uh, And so I needed it as a tool and we built in, um, you know, we have activity sheets, like we have coloring sheets, you can color Sammy and and yeah. So we built in little kind of outlets for the kids in case they do feel a little bit stressed, which, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can't, we don't have the time to get into trauma-informed practices now, but not all stress is bad. And we have to expose kids and adults to healthy levels of stress in order to help their systems develop resilience skills. And so it's okay if they're a little stress activated. We also then need to give them tools and outlets for how to process that out. And I also wanted to build more choice into uh, the process. So traditionally the way, I can't speak for every school, but many of the schools that I work with, traditionally the way they teach lockdown, uh, it's there's not choice built into it. Uh, and you know, the first time they hear it, it's over this intercom and it's really loud. And they're like, "Are you re- is it really a drill or are you, are you trying to trick me? Um, kids will actually think that. And so, you know, we wanted to have this kind of stepwise approach where here's this fun story. You're Mm going to week later, we're going to come visit you. And then we're going to talk, we're going to hang out. Um, we bring actually, you can, might be able to see, Oh, other way, Sammy doll right up there. So she actually, that's a little, Oh oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So she goes into the classroom with us. Nice. um, And we talk about how she's magical and, you know, Mm -hmm. carry her and that's her special she takes when she comes into the human world and right um, so there's a lot of parallels between crittertopia the critter elders who have magic that help keep the kids safe and then the, the forest friends sammy and her forest friends who help teach the kids how to be safe all day long mm-hmm. and also how to learn these kind of new safety practices that mm-hmm. sometimes we have to do 
Uh, and then we build in choice. And that is one of the biggest things. So we model. And in fact, we build them to be the subject matter experts. So when I come into the classroom, it's a lot of times they'll recognize Sammy and they'll be like, oh my gosh, Sammy, you all know Sammy. Yeah. What's Sammy really good at? Lockdown, right. slides, out of sight. Oh my gosh, you all are so good at this. Wow. Walk me and Sammy through it. And then we model it for them. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we invite them and we let them know that they don't have to practice it. Right. Uh, so it's just, it's all these different ways of normalizing, externalizing, building subject matter expertise, empowering the kids and mm -hmm. wrapping it in this concept that you already practice being safe all day long. And this is just another new thing that you're going to practice. Absolutely. Now you said you, you created the, the book to help you, uh, you know, make it, um, uh, you know, make it easier for you to, to teach them and give them more options. Um, I imagine the doll that, that physical interaction with the doll helps reinforce it, you know, viscerally, I imagine. Yeah. Um, for them, I, yeah, it definitely makes Sammy more real. Um, I, you know, I, I try to not, it, it's kind of like when you teach kids that Santa's real, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> um, like, I don't want to lie, but we just kind of like, yeah, this is Sammy's special form. Um, right. And it does make it much more real that Sammy is there, right? Okay. Now, would you say, would you say, because um, it helped you with your presentations, would you say that this also helps parents at home? Like if they were to use this as a tool um, to help teach this lesson? Like, Absolutely. have you experienced that? Yeah. So Sammy, um, right now that's, that's one of two Sammy's that exists. Um, <laughs> so there's no parents that have Sammy's at home. Um, but the story actually has four pages in it at the very beginning for specifically geared to parents and caring adults about how do you have these conversations at home? Um, because what we find is that kids hear more and they know more than we actually think, you know, like they catch on to stuff like media, they hear stuff at school. And so what we're finding is that these conversations aren't happening at home, understandably, because parents and caring adults are afraid of opening that Pandora's box and they don't know how to answer it. Right. And so what we want is to lift that veil of secrecy and silence and to support adults to have these conversations okay. um, so that the kids can be empowered. That's excellent. That's so great. Now, um, you mentioned earlier, um, you're talking about how you remember from your childhood, stop, drop, and roll for fires. Um, I noticed that in your book, uh, Sammy Sasquatch, Welcome to Critotopia, um, you have lockdown, locks, lights, out of sights uh, repeated multiple times, and you have it in in, in, in color. Um, I imagine that was done on purpose. Um, when you're reading that uh, to the kids, is that something that you repeat to them? And if so, why? Why do you do that? Yeah, yeah, we do repeat it. You know, uh, People, humans. Do the kids say it? I mean, like, that's what I meant to say. Do, do yes. the kids repeat it to you? Okay. They do. Yeah. And it, it, we, we do have them repeat it multiple times when we're in the classroom. And if, you know, we're reading the book with them, we do have them say it with us. It helps to just ingrain that message. Mm -hmm. And humans learn really well in sets of three, right? That's usually why our phone numbers are uh -huh. sets of three. Um, okay. That's why, you know, stop, drop, and roll is a set of three. And so the locks lights out of sight. Uh -huh. specifically. And that's what a lot of schools use. It's very common language. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a, it was an easy thing for us to go with. Nice. That's very clever. Now, um, I noticed that there are a few, few other children's books published on lockdowns, but I only noticed one in my library because um, after after I, I heard about you, I was looking, I was like, well, do we have any books on lockdowns? And it turns out we only had one in 22 library branches. Here we go. The one that I found, it was called This Is Not a Drill by K.A. Holt. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but apparently it's geared towards middle school kids. Uh, why is Sammy the Sasquatch Welcome to Critotopia different from other children's books on lockdowns? Yeah. So I have to say, I haven't read that specific one. Uh, I though did look into it uh, after you mentioned it to me. So I can't speak to having read it, though looking through the summary of it, um, it does appear to be a bit more kind of uh, real situation based. 
-hmm. and maybe have a little bit potential for fear because of the situation that the student's facing. I see. Uh, so the other books that, you know, and I don't, I don't want to put down anybody else's book, especially one that I haven't read. Right, right. I'm just, I'm just noticing the differences. I mean, one, your, your, yours is geared towards a younger audience and, and maybe they felt they had to be more serious for middle schoolers kind of thing, but potentially, you know, I, I know you have a different approach for yours. Mm -hmm. So, and there are other children's books, um, illustrated children's books on lockdown. There's three that I know of. Mm -hmm. uh, the challenge when I read those is that they were not trauma informed. And so I don't want to take anything to a classroom uh, or into any space really that isn't trauma informed. And, mm -hmm. and so that was why I developed Sammy. Um, what we teach, we actually have a, a model where we go in and teach Sammy and friends the trauma informed approach to emergency drills, because mm -hmm. it's not just lockdowns you can teach in a trauma informed way, it's any emergency drill. Right. Uh, so we train coaches in school systems to go and do this. Uh, and and within that, it was, it was just super important to us that they learned the theory behind it because mm -hmm. while Sammy the Sasquatch and any other stories that we publish in the Sammy and Friends series are geared towards four to eight-year-olds, that was number one because that was a really, it was a big area that was lacking resources when it comes mm -hmm. to teaching emergency drills in trauma-informed ways. But in addition to that, because we teach the principles of how to do it, you can apply those principles to any age. And so we will go in as Sammy and friends and have conversations with middle schoolers and high schoolers, but oh. we don't use the Sammy doll. We don't use the story, but nice. we still apply the trauma-informed approach. Nice. And that's what really matters. Okay. So let me ask you, so for any parents um, or any caring adults that might be watching this, um, and, and you indicated earlier that sometimes they just either they're nervous or they simply just don't know how to bring up that kind of conversation. What kind of advice would you offer them? So, you know, first off, remember that lockdown is a function. Lockdown mm -hmm. is not about active shooter. And so we always want to direct back to the fact that this is a practice that you can do just like looking both ways before you cross the road to keep right. yourself safe, regardless of what's going on in the world around you. So we want to have that strengths-based approach, um, not focusing on any specific threat or hazard. So wrapping the conversation in general safety practices mm -hmm. is super important. Helping the kids understand, we talk about the critter elders in the book and how they have special magic and they they do things within Crittertopia that help keep everybody safe. Right. Just like adults in our world are constantly practicing to keep us safe, even if the kids might not be aware mm -hmm. of the safety practices that adults are doing. Um, so it's helping them to understand the world around them. And then making sure, understanding that the kids are going to co-regulate with you. So the emotions that you express, the energy that you bring to the conversation that's going to help the kids understand, like, they're going to look to you. Should I be afraid right now? Is this right. a weird thing that, that, right. Right. that my, adult, my parent is talking about? Yes. Um, and Kinda so like when, when babies fall and everything, they look at you real quick and, and you're like, safe, you know, like, you okay. Like as soon as the parents goes, oh my God. And then the, the kid suddenly starts crying. Oh, I should be traumatized right now. But yes, that's a very important distinction. I love that. So my nephew, he's eight months old. He I was sitting on the ground and there was a giant foam pad and a nice mm -hmm. pad of carpet. And he might've rolled off my lap the other day <laughs> and bonked his little head. And I, you know, he looked at me and I picked him up and I was like, what an adventure. Did you do a somersault? Right, and right, right. Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Right. So he looked at me like, oh, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine, right, dude. You got right. this. Right. And so they're going to look to you, right? Yes. Now they are also going to have their own feelings within that. And so if you see within them or they express in some way, um, what I would call a challenging emotion, not a negative emotion, because no emotions are negative okay. or bad, a challenging emotion like fear or anxiety, 
recognize and, and honor that because what's often happening is they are sitting in secrecy and silence and it's the feeling alone mm-hmm. that makes it so challenging. And right. so when we witness that with them and normalize it, oh my gosh, I, I see you right now. It is, it is kind of, it makes me nervous sometimes when I learn new things. That's okay. That's okay. Um, when you mirror that for them, oftentimes it relieves a lot of that anxiety. And then you navigate back to, you are so good at keeping yourself safe. You do all these things all day long. And also, you know, I want parents and caring adults to understand that there is research on lockdown drills okay. on the function, I should, excuse me, of lockdown. Um, it, it keeps kids safe. It keeps adults safe. Right. If you follow the steps and you do it properly, uh, you don't only use lockdown in the event of active shooter, but that is often what people think of. And it is the function you would use in response to an active threat inside the campus. Right. Um, there's only been three instances where people behind a locked door in an active shooter incident in classroom settings have lost their lives. In none of those incidents, was it because the, the attacker breached the lock on the door? Oh, So, and there's evidence you can read Dr. Jacqueline Schildkraut um, of the SUNY Rockefeller Institute of Government uh, has amazing research on it. And she, she has best practices that they've researched and we have all the best practices and then some in our Sammy and friends approach, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's research on this. And so we know that lockdown works. We know it can keep people safe. We, we wish that there were never active threats on schools. It would be amazing, right? Right. If we never had to do this. Um, but again, lockdown is a function, not just in response to an active threat. And so regardless of what's going on, we want to make sure that kids and adults know how to keep themselves safe. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned earlier that, that when an emergency like that happens, kids look to adults, um, are that, you know, what kinds of, I know that kids are naturally inquisitive. What kind of questions, uh, do you have the kids normally asked you uh, about being prepared for emergencies? Um, yeah. So when we're in the classroom, oftentimes Actually, we field the questions beforehand. So we have the teachers read the story a week before we arrive and they get questions from the kiddos and they send those on to us. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times the questions center around like, what are we going to do? So they want to know the steps. They heard locks lights out of sight, but they want to know what are we going to do when you visit? Right. Um, and so they want to know what they're going to be um, kind of asked to participate in or invited in. They actually have a lot of questions about Critter Toe, oddly enough, that I have to kind of make up answers to on the fly. Like, right. what do Critter Topians eat? Um, <laughs> right, right, right. What are their tables like? I'm like, oh my gosh, is one of your parents a furniture maker? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, for um, the most part, they they are they are getting it. They're getting the story. It sounds like you know they are getting the lesson. Story. But they want. It looks like they want to dive in a little bit deeper into that world a little bit. They do. Um, they also do ask questions. You know about. What if, you know, someone does make it into the school? And what we always go back to is, remember, there are all of these ways that adults are practicing to keep you safe. And we always talk about teacher. Teacher knows. Teacher knows who's supposed to be in school. And teacher's going to notice when there's someone in school that is not supposed to be here. And teacher is going to teacher is going to do everything to keep you safe. But you know what? It's super unlikely that anybody who's not supposed to be in your school is ever going to be here. And it's super unlikely that even if they did, that they're going to even know that you're here if you're doing a lockdown. So we, we always drive it back to it's super unlikely. And also we talk about the helpers. In fact, when we go into classrooms, mm-hmm might be a little controversial for some places, but we take law enforcement with us. And we tell the kids before we come, right? They're informed. 
that mm-hmm. a law enforcement officer is going to come with Sammy and her friends. Right. So they're prepared right. for that in case they have any stress activation associated with people in uniforms. Right. Um, and, and we talk about the helpers. Oh my goodness. Did you know the helpers are always around and the helpers are going to be here so fast. And that's one thing I loved about your book, how you presented all the elders and all the helpers as as like these wise people, you know, magical people, you know, they're there to help the kids. And I think that was a wonderful uh, way to present them. Um, because like you said, there there might be some negative associations to people in uniform for whatever reason. I, I have no idea. I'm no, I don't want to guess what every kid is, is feeling and thinking. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful um way to to present them, I think. So um, if kids uh, kids or any parents that might be watching this want to know more about Sammy the Sasquatch, welcome to Critiotopia. Um, how can they learn more about you, the services you offer, and uh, where can they go? Yeah, they can go to sammyandfriends.com. Um, they can connect with us there. We have a phone number and email address listed. And uh, Sammy the Sasquatch, welcome to Critiotopia, is actually available for pre-order right now, oh. um, both on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. But you can get it through your local bookstore. It's uh, published through Ingram Spark. And I always love if you can support your local bookstore. So you can just walk in and ask to pre-order it through them as well. That's excellent. Okay, well, wonderful. Claire, it was such a pleasure meeting you. Um, thank you for sh- so much for sharing your story with us and your experience and for giving advice to any parents that might be watching. Um, if you ever want to come back, you know, give me a call or, or, or send me an email. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. Happy yeah. to come back anytime. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, take care. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye.